Well, good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to church on this beautiful spring day. It's good to have you guys with us. We're so grateful, so thankful you're here worshiping with us. And welcome to all of you, those of you worshiping online with us. Wanted to say, to start the service, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We, we love you. We wouldn't be here without you. So we thank you, bless you for being here. And we just, uh, that said, we also want to recognize, you know, that there are, there may be some women here this morning that uh, Mother's Day may be a little tough for um, Maybe some women trying to uh, be a mom and aren't yet, or uh, maybe some women who have lost a child, or uh, maybe some people here who have lost a mom, or maybe even a, maybe have a broken relationship with a, a mom right now. So we, we recognize that, and we see you, we love you, and we want this to be um, just a joy, joyful morning for us all. And uh, I want to read this psalm, a verse out of Psalms as we set up worship this morning, as we set up our song. So the, hear these words from Psalm 717. I will give to the Lord the thanks due his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. So we're going to be thankful this morning. We're going to bring some joy in this place. We're going to be a little hyper for this song. It's, it's fast. So why don't you guys stand with us? Let's get our voices warmed up and sing and worship this God that we serve. the night wanting a place to hide this weary soul this bag of bones and I try with all my might but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting a vagabond and just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know. And he told me that I was not alone. And you picked me up, you turned me around, you placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, oh, I thank the Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the sing it out. I thank God. When I have to what I've seen, oh, God, no choice but to believe my doubts are burning. Yeah, like ashes in the wind. So long to my old friends Oh, burden and bitterness You can't just keep them moving Oh, you ain't welcome here So now till I walk the streets of gold I sing of how you saved my soul This wayward son has found his way back home on solid ground I thank the master I thank the savior because you heal my heart you change my name forever free I'm not the same I thank the master I thank the savior as I thank God We're creating this this morning. I lost another one. I am free. Yes, I am free. I am free. I lost another one. I am free. I am free. I sing it again. I lost. I lost another one. I am free. Yes, I am free. I am free. I lost another one. I am free. I am free, oh I am free, hey I lost another one, I am free, yes I am free, I am free, hey I lost another one, I am free, I am free, I am free, 
pick me up, you turn me around, you place my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. Yes, I thank God. I thank God. Amen. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength My story isn't over, my story's just begun Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does your burdens down Ooh, here in the father's house check your shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the father's house not the end game the journey's where you are you never wanted perfect you just wanted my heart and the story isn't over if the story isn't good failures never final when the father's in the room failures never final when the father's in the room Shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. Prodigals come home, the helpless find home. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide, the dead come to life. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. The miracles take place, the cynical find faith. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Jericho walls are quaking, strongholds now are shaking. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house, check your shame. 
God, we praise you this morning. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. No one else can receive our honor. Only you, Jesus. God, thank you for, God, that we all feel welcome here this morning, that this is your Father's house. This is our Father's house where we come to worship you. your word, to sing our praises joyfully to you, Jesus. God, may you receive our heart of praise as we joyfully, gladfully, thankfully give it to you. And God, this morning, I pray that you would continue to speak to us, even as you've been doing already this morning, spirit, that you would speak and that our ears would hear. Continue to move in this place, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can take a seat.
Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. And thank you so much for leading us in worship. Don't they do a great job? How about a thank you for the beautiful group up here. Welcome to Sunrise Ministries. I'm part of the team here. My name is Mike. If you have questions afterwards, you'd like to talk to an old guy, that's me. Uh, we have QR codes. We have websites. We have everything except barcodes. We've got... Uh, you can call the, the office if you've got questions. But what this is all about is, as Pastor summarized at the end of last week's message, if you were not here, if you want to see it again, or if you missed it, the summarization of be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect in West Virginian vernacular is actually that all y'all must grow up to be just like your Father in Heaven. And that's what we want to do as little Christ. We want to grow up like our Father in Heaven. We want to love Him and we want to love others, and that's what we're trying to do. So you're blessed. You're welcome here. You, your family, friends, we even love our enemies. So next time, bring them. And we just want you to know, we want you to know that this is a place uh, where you are welcome. So as I mentioned, QR codes, there's information. There's a few announcements. Three's Company, June, July, and August. Three's Company, so there's opportunities on sign-up sheets or contacting the office to get together for three meals with a group that you can get to know. And uh, we met with one of our partner uh, couples, and they, they went through th the Three's Company. It was a good experience, so that was really neat. Uh, there's also a time for women to enjoy some food together. All women are welcome. So we're gonna, there's an RSVP date by Thursday. I can't scroll to it. May? Thursday, May 18th. And that might be up here for us too, yep. Uh, and that'll be that they can get together. So that would be, that would be uh, members and friends. So you could bring those along. And then also, Sunrise Kids have a day camp that we're registering for by the end of the month. Special time for the kids, and we'd love you all to do that. One other thing, at the table out there, there's greeting, there's information, there's prayer welcome afterwards here, find someone. And there's an interesting board out there that says, things that I need or things that I have. You'll notice there's some things posted on a board out there by that side wall and uh, if you have a need or if you have something that you'd like to share with people here or outside the church, post that up. And as our community grows and we become more like Christ, we're going to be able to share more and more with people in that way. Uh, the other thing, very important, we, the kingdom of God is like a, a mustard seed. It's a, a small seed that's planted and it grows up to be a tree and even birds can nest in it. We want to be like that kingdom of God, a small ministry here that grows up and matures so that we can bless and honor our Father in heaven. We have a wonderful staff and our directors. We had a special meeting this week. They do a wonderful job with what we've got so far. We are asking members, and we're even taking uh, gifts and offerings from anybody to help us build the kingdom here. I will be greatly blessed to see what this group can do as we're funded and as we grow and as we serve God with our gifts and offerings that we do. So we're going into a time of gifts and offerings and into a three-minute break where we can meet a little bit with each other. Afterwards, any questions, feel free to approach me or staff. But as we go, thank you, God, our Father, for everything you do. Our gifts and offerings go to you. And now let's greet each other for about three minutes. Okay, everybody, if you could make your way back in and find your seat. So it is my absolute honor and privilege uh, to welcome our very own Lindsay Williamson and her dear friend, Pastor Krista Wygant, to the pulpit at sunrise. So to keep myself from gushing, I have written things out. Uh, Lindsay, along with her husband, Corey, has been a part of the Sunrise family for the past several months. She is a graduate of Hudsonville High School. Can I get a what-what from the Hudsonville kids? Whoop, whoop. All right. And North Point Bible College, where she completed her bachelor's degree in ministry leadership and will be starting uh, her master's in theological studies this coming fall at Calvin Theological Seminary because God loves her and I have a wonderful plan for Lindsay's yeah, life. that's true. <laughs> Lindsay... <laughs> It really is. Lindsay's an artist, a photographer, a business owner, and a former YWAM missionary. And we're delighted that her family, including her mom, Becky, happy Mother's Day. Her in-laws, Rick and Candy, happy Mother's Day. Her, uh, oh, oh, as well as her, uh, yes, I have her dad, Ken, written down here as well. Siblings, her husband, who some of you may know, are all with us here today. Pastor Krista Wygant is the next generation pastor at Kalamazoo First. The church she serves is also the church she grew up in as a pastor's kid. Carissa is blessed to serve. Man, I read it down so I could get through it. She's blessed to serve in a place where she calls home along with a boss that she calls dad. 
Her father, Marty, has been the lead associate at K-First for over two decades. Krista also holds a bachelor's in ministry leadership from North Point Bible College in Grand Rapids, and we're delighted to welcome her along with her husband, Noah, daughter, Juniper, mother, Lisa, happy Mother's Day, and I don't know Papa's name. It's Harold. And her Papa Harold is here today. There he is. Papa. There he is. Just Papa. On his birth certificate. Um, So, friends, you're in for a treat today. Um, I I am absolutely humbled and delighted that Lindsay and Krista could be here uh, this morning so that we could learn from them on a day uh, where we normally celebrate moms and we hear a dude preach to and about women. I am delighted that we have two dear friends to bring God's word to us, all of God's children. So would you welcome Chris and Lindsay to bring the word this morning? That's too much. (laughs) I know. Uh, Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, thanks again to my mom for being here, helping out with my daughter, Juniper, who hates our own church nursery. And as soon as we stepped in the door and like looked in, she looked at it and was like, absolutely not. I'm not going in there. So if you see or hear a child going, mom, (laughs) that is, yeah. Oh, daddy. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Happy Mother's Day. She yells daddy. Uh, But I'm just so thankful to be here today. So. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of things to give, too. Um, I've, we have a whole fan club that's kind of occupying that back section over there. Um, and so just super thankful for my immediate family who come, mom, dad, Haley, Josh, and my first favorite person in the world. She's over in the nursery, and Corey married me knowing that he'd be second. Um, my niece, Blair, she's here. Um, and so I just thank you guys. Thank you, Mom and Dad, Williamson over here. Um, just really means a lot that you guys would be here, that we'd be on a journey to ministry, you know? Like, our family doesn't really have that. <laughs> and so here we are, and I just thank you for your support on this day. And Yeah, and then lastly, I just want to say thank you to Dennis yeah. for inviting us. And um, my first memory of Dennis at North Point was Lindsay was actually in his philosophy class a couple semesters before I had the pleasure of sitting and being under his teaching. And she kept saying, Carissa, the way that he talks about his church and his people and Jesus is just so beautiful and sweet. And then I was able to experience that. And Dennis, you probably don't even know this, but during um, any class that I had with you in my notes, I had a running document of the times that you made me physically cry because of how, um, not because of overworked or anything like that, like other professors, because that was a thing with others, but but the times that I wrote out were the times that you so wholly and beautifully talked about Jesus that it inspired me to keep going. Yeah. So I thank you for that. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people who would do just this to give up their platform, especially on a holiday, um, to empower two women that he believes in to, to teach and do what they're um, called to do. So thank you. Yeah, and so today, uh, as we've mentioned many times, we're honored to preach a passage on Mother's Day. And this is a, a dream that Lindsay and I have had for many years to preach out of uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42, which um, for those of you that might not know off the top of your head what that passage is. It's about Mary and Martha and Jesus. Um, But as we kind of studied and began to work on this message, we realized that there was a lot that had been spoken about this text that wasn't actually present in the text. There were a lot of misconceptions and preconceived notions that were had around this. So as a fun little experiment, we turned to our Bible scholar husbands, Corey and Noah, Uh and we asked them to tell us their interpretation of this passage. So as a treat for you all today, with their permission, we're going to share what this passage was to them as they could recall without reading it directly from their Bible. Yeah, and I'm going to make it sound just like Corey, too, so. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, Jesus was inside this house, Mary and Martha's house. Martha's worrying, and she's working hard, really working hard in this house, and she makes bread. Yeah, she makes bread. She's freaking out on Mary, asking, what the heck, why don't you help me take care of Jesus? Uh, Mary then goes out and washes Jesus' feet, I think. 
No, wait, what does Mary do? Oh, wait, no, Mary goes to Jesus' feet, and Martha's still upset. Uh, Jesus tells her that she missed the whole point and tells her that the most important thing is being with Jesus. Mm. Sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds sounds familiar. And this was my husband Noah's interpretation. says, Jesus is into this town with two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they offer him a place to stay with his 12 disciples. Martha is running around and getting everything ready, making space, preparing food, all of the things. Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and learning from him, typically not a place that a woman would be in that time period. And Martha comes in hot. She is (laughs) mad. She is annoyed. She's exhausted. She might have even been a little bit timid and scared, but because of her frustration, she says, hey, Jesus... Tell my good-for-nothing sister to help me. Yeah, that's in the scripture for sure. Yeah. Definitely in scripture. Yeah. I'm getting everything ready, and she's just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. Her frustrations with her sister had persuaded her to confront Jesus. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, calm down. You're too focused. Mary has done the right thing by sitting next to me. And with all that being said, I think it's only appropriate to pray. <laughs> all right, Lord, help us. Um, No, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for scripture. God, we thank you for story, God, that you chose to convey yourself in narrative. God, something that we can relate to, Jesus. And so today I just ask that you make yourself real. You make yourself present within the story, God, and that we will be able to discover more of you and your character and what you have called us to do as it is um, surrendering to your lordship. We love you and we trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so now we're going to read the actual text together found in Luke 10, 38 through 42. It says, Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. And Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. And it was interesting because we kind of ripped on Corey and Noah for just a moment, but as Lindsay and I really began to dive into this passage and study and talk about the message that we wanted to share, we realized that we had some misconceptions around this text. So we're going to share those now with you. Yeah, I'd say the first one that popped in my head is that it was Martha's house. Um, Sure, there are some English translations that say her house, But if we look at the Greek, because I graduated from Bible college, um, the Greek actually says the house. So it doesn't actually give possession of the house. And so just that's an assumption that it was Martha's house herself that she was in. Yeah, and I think traditionally, as this passage has been preached and taught, um, I had just assumed that Martha was in that makings of a kitchen over a stove that what she was distracted and busy with was hospitality related issues. Um, But as we see in the text, that's not there at all. It just says she was distracted and busy. Yeah. And do they have stainless steel fridges back then? I don't think they, no. Or stovetop? Flipping non? Like, I don't know. No, they don't have, they didn't have (laughs) ovens, but my brain thought about an oven. Um, Another thought that I had was that there was a massive crowd in this room, that it was just elbow to elbow packed full of people, but that was also clearly just an assumption that we brought to to the table. Yeah, and then in addition to assuming that there was a big crowd, I kind of thought that Mary going to Jesus was like an angry outburst in front of him and that maybe this was who she was, that she was typically known as like a hothead, someone whose temper could go. And I just kind of always pictured Mary rolling her eyes and being like, oh yeah, that's Martha for you, flying off the handle once again. On top of that, I thought that Jesus's response to Martha was also, he was mad too. Mm. It was all escalated. It was all fiery. Everyone was mad. Mm. And then in addition to it being fiery, 
Like, I just couldn't get over the fact of what a first impression that Martha was making with Jesus. Like, I thought that this was the very first time that the two of them were talking. Yeah. Yeah, and then amongst all of that, a big assumption was that Mary and Martha were even in the same house, that Mary could have even rolled her eyes, um, and that, you know, the fact that Mary was literally sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, We'll dive into that a little bit more of what sitting at the feet of Jesus actually means in that time, but it could have been the fact that it could have just been Martha and Jesus in the story. Yeah, and I think what has always broken my heart about this passage is that the main takeaway or wisdom that we're supposed to get from it, especially women, when it's taught and preached directly to a group of women, it's that you're supposed to pick which sister you are. Are you Martha or are you a Mary? And if you're Martha, get it together and be more like Mary. And I just, I can't imagine that that's the purpose of this text, is to chastise one sister over the other. I don't believe that the comparison that traditionally happens surrounding this text is the invitation or the wisdom that we're supposed to take from it. Because if we look at Jesus' life and his ministry here on earth, he never once used comparison as a tool. And so I think for us to place that on the text is doing something pretty wrong to it. So as Lindsay and I preach today, we're going to go, I'm going to speak for the next few moments, and then Lindsay's going to share. And we're going to wrap up with a few uh, questions of reflection. And it's going to be a great time. But today, our goal is to bring redemption to a text, especially for the women in the room when if you've heard this taught before, it brought feelings of guilt or shame or condemnation that you weren't doing it right. But now just because that's part of our goal, men, please don't tune out because I think there's a lot that you can also learn from this text too. So our goal today is to get a little bit closer to what we believe is at the heart of this text. And anytime we examine scripture, whether that is corporately together or personally, I believe it's our goal that we should learn from the people in the text. And I think oftentimes we can read the Gospels and we can get a little bit distracted and think, I'm just nothing close to who Jesus was. And sometimes that can feel a little defeating and a little frustrating. But if I can give you a hint, we're never supposed to be Jesus in the story. Therefore, we need to look to the other characters present and we can learn from them and then we can look and we can learn from how Jesus responds to those in the text. And then it's our responsibility to take what we've learned and then form our own spiritual life and our own spiritual path and begin to emulate Jesus, to make those decisions, to choose loving care and kindness and grace that we see represented throughout all of scripture. So we're going to read the text together one more time. It says, Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village, where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed, indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So I'm going to focus on our friend Martha, and I call her our friend because I want us to have compassion for Martha. Traditionally, she's gotten the short end of the stick. She's been the angry sister, the one that got it wrong, the bad one, the one who focused her attention on something other than Jesus. And that's always made me a little bit sad because if I'm being extremely honest with myself, I find a lot of myself in Martha. And so as we take the next few minutes and focus on Martha's question to Jesus, found in verse 40, It's my hope that with compassion in our hearts, 
we can find ourselves in our dear friend Martha, and we can learn from her in this interaction with Jesus. We see that it says in verse 40 that Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And as we look to the text, it doesn't say that she was making meals for the 12 disciples, that she was gathering water. There are many things that she could have been distracted with, but the honest truth is that we don't even know what those tasks were. But it's very interesting because some scholars have even began to study and they think and believe that maybe Martha was running gatherings of people, something resembling that of a house church. And that's a very interesting thought and kind of a twist on what we normally hear, that she was just busy with hospitality tasks. But really when it comes down to it, it doesn't necessarily matter if they were hospitality tasks or running that of a house church. What we read and what we see and what we know is that she was distracted with many things. She was caught up in the daily grind of life. And I'm sure if we think about our weeks and our lives, we can find that most days we too are caught up in the daily grind of life, doing the things necessary for the quality of life that we like to have and the fun things. We get up, we go to work, we get our kids off to school, and then we have to do some of those menial tasks like cooking and cleaning and buying the groceries. All of these things fill up our minutes and our hours and our day. So we're busy and we're distracted too, much like Martha. As Lindsay mentioned earlier, we don't know who is physically present for this exchange. Martha talking to Jesus is often portrayed as a hissy fit in front of a big group of people. Right? Something that I had said was maybe even a little bit embarrassing. But if we clear our mind of what we think we know and we look directly at the text, we see that it says that she came to him and asked. Martha went to Jesus. It doesn't say anything about his disciples. It doesn't say anything about a crowd of people. And it doesn't even say that Mary was physically present in this exchange between the two. So what I believe we're seeing is a private moment between Martha and Jesus. And it's in this private moment that Martha turns to Jesus and she asks this question and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work myself. You see, as we read this question and this exchange within the framework that this is a private moment between Martha and Jesus, and then we have compassion in our hearts, it's easy to see that this isn't a hissy fit, that this isn't Martha um, just being so emotional that she has an emotional outburst in front of people, it's easy to see, and what I might suggest, that this is a plea to be seen. And as we look at this plea from our dear friend Martha to Jesus, there are a few things that I want to think about and just have you guys think about with me as well. You see, in, an, in its nature, a question like this implies intimacy between Martha and Jesus. And please don't mishear what I'm saying. I'm not implying that there was a romantic intimacy, a romantic relationship between Martha and Jesus. But when I say the word intimacy, I mean the deep familiarity between two people where you can share your thoughts and your feelings and your hopes and your fears and you feel safe and you feel not judged. And so because Martha approached Jesus and she felt comfortable enough to say this, I would believe that this is not their first interaction with one another. Some scholars believe that they might have been distant relatives or that they might have been childhood friends. And again, we don't have enough information to say if that's true. But what we do know at the time in women's role in society is that Martha, a woman, would have never been able to approach Jesus, who was seen as a rabbi. 
She would never have been able to just walk directly up to him if there hadn't been established relationship and connection. And now we know that Jesus continually broke down societal norms, right? He gave women respect and equality, and he talked with them, and he spent time with those who were outcast and those who were sick, which is a beautiful and a wonderful thing. And I'm so thankful that that was Jesus' example to us because that tells us what we should be doing in our lives as well. And I'm not an expert on relationships, but I do know that they're very integral to our life. We need relationships and friendships, and they're also integral to our faith. We need the personal faith aspect. We need the personal relationship with God, right, to live and to function and to grow in our faith. And there are different layers and to friendships and relationships that we have. But what I've observed is this, that relationship empowers vulnerability. And then vulnerability leads to intimacy. And I think we're seeing this chain of relationship and friendship between Martha and Jesus. You see, Martha is empowered by her relationship, her connection to Jesus, that she's able to approach him. And then she's able to be vulnerable. And we see the vulnerability in her question to Jesus. She questions his care for her as an individual. She asks that action then be taken to help her. And Lindsay's going to be covering Jesus' response to Martha in just a moment. But I feel that we cannot miss out on what we can learn from Martha and Jesus in this moment. You see, often in our walk of faith, our walk with Christ, sometimes I feel like we place it on the back burner. I feel like we can operate as individuals who believe in God, believe in the divine. We know that it's important, but we save it for Sunday mornings or small group time or Wednesday nights, or whenever you meet with your community of faith, we save it for those moments, and then we go out throughout the rest of the week like nothing ever happened. We might say, oh, that was good, that's awesome, and I'm going to try, but then we forget, and the daily grind of life happens. And when our minutes and our hours begin to fill up, the first things to go are our quiet time with the Lord, there, the time that we spend studying the word and learning about the word that is Jesus himself. But I think it's important to remember that God is always calling us into relationship with him. It's the relationship that empowers vulnerability and leads to intimacy, but it's our responsibility to foster that. God in his loving kindness, care, and grace always postures in a way of openness towards us. We just need to spend the time, even when life gets crazy, even when our world is seeming like it's too much. We need to prioritize time with the divine, heavenly Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to build that intimacy. Because Martha had this intimacy with Jesus. She had enough to feel not safe or enough to feel safe and not judged. And now we can turn and look to the specifics of her plea to Jesus. It says this, "Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself?" At the core of this question, Martha is asking Jesus to see her. Martha is pleading for him to recognize her, to see her in her pain, to see her in her tiredness, to see her in her exhaustion. She wants to be seen and acknowledged, and she wants action to be taken to help her. And I think that question is one, if we're honest with ourselves, that we 
have probably asked at least once, if not more, in our own walks of faith and journeys. God, do you even see me? What are you going to do to help me, Lord? Honestly, my husband and I just went through a bit of a hard time. Our reliable car decided to die uh, out of nowhere. And the cost of fixing the car was more than the car was worth. And there was a certain amount that we still had on the loan. And so it's always stressful. It seems like there are people out there who are blessed to not have car issues. And that my husband and I always get the car issues. That's like our thing, right? So this big thing happened and it was frustrating, and we both have been struggling in different areas with our work of just stress and changes happening. And, you know, we're in the thick of parenting, a beautiful, wonderful, but so very busy little girl. And so it's like all of these elements kind of were spiraling, and everything was happening, and I just had an emotional breakdown. And I was studying for this passage, and it seems like in that moment, I should have said, oh, I know that Jesus is going to be here. But I found myself questioning like Martha. I found myself saying, God, I know you love me, and I know you care for me, and I know you're there, but this is too much. Do you even see who I am? Do you see what I'm doing? I'm tired, and what are you going to do to help me? And if I think you're honest with yourselves, you probably have situations going on in your life where you're asking similar questions to God. It might not be the same circumstances that I had, and it might not have been the same circumstances that Martha was going through. But I think if you take a moment and think about your own life, you too could find areas where you're asking to be seen. So my question to you today is what areas are you asking for Jesus to see you in your life? Yeah. And so what happens, what happens when we choose to reveal ourselves in an intimate relationship with God? Um, When we ask Jesus to see us, like it could be terrifying or intimidating at least uh, to ask the all-knowing Lord of all things and all people to see you. Um, But I think that when we continue to look through this passage at the response of Jesus, we might not be so quick to hide ourselves from our Creator, Redeemer. Um, I think that we've uncovered a lot of disconnects here with this passage in what we thought that we knew and what the text really says. Um, And I think that it's in this relationship that Carissa just painted so beautifully where we continue to learn more and more about the character of God and, and who He says He is. Uh, Like we've mentioned, this text has been used in a really polarizing way. You're either a Mary or a Martha. Um, One's good, the other's bad. But I do find it um, ironic how this is one of the very few stories that the common teaching on it revolves around the other characters present in the story and not Jesus himself. Um, Well, like Carissa said, we won't ever completely identify with Jesus, with God, with flesh on Um, But he does give us these characters to then look to and kind of see um, where we are in this story and how he responds to us. Um, But in this section, I'm going to be focusing on Jesus, on his response. Um, And if we're going to be Christocentric in our theology or rather... Um, aiming to keep Jesus in the middle of this interpretation, I'd feel like it would make most sense to do just that, to keep Jesus in the middle of the story. Um, So we know what Mary did, and we know what Martha did, but I do wonder how many of us could have reiterated the response and posture of Jesus in this story. Um, I honestly probably couldn't have until reading it and rereading it and rereading it as we studied for this. Um, So just to remind us, in verse 41 and 42, Jesus responds to Martha's tired voice by saying, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, when I think of the response of Jesus, I've heard it taught to me that Jesus was probably admonishing her. She was probably really mad um, and getting all worked up because she had just fired off at him and now he's got to match it or, or be greater because he is God, you know. Um, But really, if we know anything about the character of Jesus, we know that he was not a harsh friend. 
um, that he is not a harsh friend. And so now I kind of imagine this response as him seeing the stress and concern on Martha's face as she expressed her hurt, begging to be seen. Um, and I now imagine his response to be a little more, Martha, Martha. Um, kind of while he held her cheeks, you know? Of like, I feel like a mom does that to you when she doesn't want to be super mad at you, but she needs you to listen. Like, hold your cheeks and get your face real close. Um, maybe that was just my mom, I don't know. <laughs> um, but to, to hold her cheeks, just to be like, make eye contact with her. Um, and if I can put it in, a, in the LWV or the Lindsay Williamson version, I would say, um, you're worried and distracted by a lot right now. Um, but only a few things are, are necessary. Mary's chosen me, and I am the better part, and that won't be taken from her. Just really gentle, really tender. Um, Jesus responds in grace, in love, and truth. Uh, he didn't shame her with his tone because she was wrong, or she chose wrong. Uh, he didn't question her intelligence. He didn't neglect her feelings in that moment. He didn't embarrass her by any means. Um, he got close and responded with love. So I want us to keep that in mind, how it's important to reframe Jesus' response um, in a way that is kind and loving, gentle, tender, um, all of that. And so earlier we discussed some common misconceptions about this passage, one of them being that the house was packed full of people, um, just elbow to elbow, you know, you're saying excuse me, and you're doing like a sideways crab shuffle to like get through the crowd. Um, we don't see that in the text. Um, and we won't totally know this answer until we're in glory and we can ask Mary and Martha ourselves um, because the text doesn't come out and tell us, but it is possible that it was just Jesus and Martha in this house together, um, or at least the only ones in the same area of the house. I'm hesitant to say room because I'm not really sure how houses were set up back then. Um, if they were separate rooms, if it was just one big gathering place and they all did it all in one place. Um, anyway... I always imagined it that the house was absolutely jam-packed. Um, we knew that Jesus was traveling with a crowd of sorts, because it does tell us right in the beginning, um, but there isn't any evidence saying that they all joined him in the house. Um, some of you might have just perked up right now and said, wait a minute, Lindsay, the text does say that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And I would say, heck yeah, it does. <laughs> and I would say, good job, you're reading, you're paying attention, and the rest of you are just kind of waiting for your coffee to kick in, and that's okay too. Um, but to give a little more context to Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, in the culture of rabbis, if someone sat at someone else's feet, what it meant was that they were a following of their teachings. Um, so it wasn't typically literal sitting at that person's feet. Like, I feel like we've all seen those photos of the room crowded, Jesus sitting in a chair, Mary at his feet, and then Martha, like, over here, like, mad in the doorway of the kitchen. <laughs> um, and so it's probably like we see in Acts 22, where the apostle Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. So Gamaliel was Paul's rabbi or his teacher. So it's actually a little more likely that Mary actually physically followed Jesus and learned from him. And that's why Martha was concerned about being home, because she was alone. She was without her sister. Um, and I might even suggest that this wasn't just a one-time event that Martha was stressed over. Uh, it very well could have been a lifestyle that she was sustaining. So she could have been you know, running a home or maybe even the resemblance of a house church like Carissa mentioned earlier. Um, but what's, again, what's interesting about the ownership of this house is that the Greek doesn't really tell us whose house it is. Uh, it's unlikely that it was Martha's house because women didn't own property. Um, so it was likely her brother Lazarus's or some other family members since we believe Martha was unmarried. And we don't have much information about their parents. Um, so there Martha was, possibly sustaining a lifestyle on her own and now asking to bring Jesus for Jesus to bring some resolve or peace in this place of concern and discomfort and um, stress. And so to hone in on Jesus again and his response to that lifestyle of stress and agony. Um, Jesus held space for Martha in this home to grieve, uh, to express concern and hurt in her own words. And instead of correcting her in a hurtful way, he slows her down, calls her by name, it reminds her that he is the better part and the only thing needed. So, 
My question to us this morning is this. As Jesus calls you by name, and as he slows you down in your concern or hurt, as he holds your cheeks and looks into your eyes and sees you, what is he saying? What is he telling you that he's better than? And can he remind you this morning that he's the only thing needed? He'll do it quietly and intimately and without a crowd around. Um, And he'll let you do it in your own words. You don't have to polish anything or clean anything up before you talk to Jesus. Uh, He is as he is an as you are kind of God. Um, And we'll actually take a minute here as a worship band comes up and plays their final song for us to reflect. But I do strongly sense that the Lord is telling us this morning that there are areas in our in our lives to be dethroned. Um, and that we have to be reminded that he is the truer and he is the better portion. That he is the only thing needed, um, that he will have preeminence and reign over our lives once again. So it might be your job, it could be school, these last few weeks, hang in there, high schoolers and middle schoolers. Um, Maybe your living situation or a loved one's health. Um, Whatever it is, I do believe that the Lord is pulling you close this morning. Um, and he's offering a response that's filled with grace, love, and truth. So our questions today are simple, but they're not very easy to answer. But they're, in what areas of your life are you asking to be seen? And then the second one is we want you to take a moment and we want you to imagine that Jesus is holding your face, like Lindsay talked about. <laughs> And what is he saying to you about the areas in which you are stressed? What is Jesus saying and speaking directly to your situation? Because we know that he's faithful to respond. We just need to quiet ourselves. So we'll pray together and then the band will give you time to reflect. So God, we just thank you for this passage. We thank you for our friend Martha. And we thank you for what we can learn from this private moment between the two of them. But furthermore, we're thankful for what we learned about Jesus and how he always responds with grace and truth and love. God, you know the ways in which we are asking to be seen in our lives. And for the next few moments, help us to sit in vulnerability with you. Help us to posture ourselves in openness to what you have to say to us. May we feel your peace and your presence. God, help us to quiet ourselves and lean in and listen to what you are saying to us. Amen. sing these songs as I often do but every song must end and you never do so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is a heart for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah 
stand together. I've got one this one. I've got just one move With my arms stretched wide I will worship you So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again It's all that I have is a But I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart seed Hallelujah My dear friends, to those of you who are worried and distracted about many things, the invitation today is to realize that Jesus says to us the same thing he said to Martha. <laughs> you see, this world is upsetting and it's distracting and sometimes it, well, sometimes it just spins out of control, doesn't it, Scott? But only one thing is needed. And he's here. And he loves you. And he invites you into relationship with him. To the worried and the distracted. To the heartbroken and the confused. Jesus says, I see you. I see you. And I love you. So because of his love, 
for his name's sake. This morning, go in his peace to do his will and to walk in his steps. And the people of God sent. Amen. Can we thank our dear friends again? As we, as we go, remember that the offering boxes are in the back, so you can uh, deposit your gifts there. Thank you so much. Go and have a wonderful day. Enjoy the sunshine, and uh, tell someone you love them before you get out of here. Go in his peace. <laughs>